This morning's scripture is from Esther chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. Esther chapter 4, 12 through 14. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace for any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're very grateful for your presence to all who are visiting. We want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every occasion that you may have. We're very grateful for the many family members that are here. I know many of you are here to honor your mother or grandmother, and we want to certainly take this opportunity to express appreciation to those of you who are mothers. What a great privilege and blessing it is to be a mother. And we are very thankful for the influence that you have exerted down through the years. We're thankful for your love, your patience, and kindness. I was talking to Danny a moment ago, and we were talking about Mother's Day, and I mentioned the fact that he's wearing a tie. And I said, I started to say something in Bible class because you had a necktie on, and he said he thought he'd wear a tie today to honor mothers. And so... You know it's something special if Danny's wearing a tie. But we are grateful for your presence. And we're going to be looking in just a moment at the book of Esther. We appreciate the beautiful singing that we've been privileged to be a part of this morning. What a great blessing it is to have the opportunity to lift our voices in praise to God. And to sing, to teach, and to admonish one another through this avenue. We're going to be talking today about... The Valor of Esther. One of the things that strikes me about the Bible is the fact that it underscores the beauty and the blessings that the woman has brought to the human family. And I do not believe that that ought to be lost on any of us. And in the book of Esther, we read of a woman of great beauty. And even though Esther was a woman of physical beauty, her inward beauty surpassed that which was outward in appearance. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 31, the Bible says, A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Well, Esther was a woman who feared the Lord. And she was a woman that demonstrated courage and grace under pressure. And so I want us to think about her life for just a moment. And we're not going to have time to explore all of the contents of this book. We're, we're just going to hit the high points. But the first thing that I want to call your attention to is the crisis. What you need to understand is that there was a threat that had been imposed upon the Jewish people in the long ago. Historically speaking, God's people had been taken into Babylonian captivity in about 605 B.C., and there were really three waves of captivity. And ultimately, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was sacked in about 570 B.C., well, God's people were allowed to return to their homeland 
in approximately 539 B.C. under the edict of Cyrus, the king of Persia. The Babylonian kingdom was a very mighty kingdom and it ultimately gave way to the Medes and the Persians. When God's people returned from Babylonian captivity, they began rebuilding the temple and over a period of time they ceased in their efforts. And so God called upon two prophets, Zechariah and Haggai, to encourage the people to resume their efforts and to finish rebuilding the temple. And they did so in about 516 B.C. Well, the book of Esther takes place in about 483 B.C. There's a man by the name of King Xerxes, or, well, when you think about this king of Persia, his name was Xerxes. And what you need to understand is that he was a powerful man. And he is the one who is on the throne when the events transpire in this particular book. And so in chapter 1 and following, we find that Xerxes became disenchanted with his wife, and there were some reasons for that. And so he takes to wife a Jewish woman, a woman by the name of Esther. And she becomes very strategic in God's redemptive plan. Because you see, back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God had promised to save the world through the promised seed. Now I said that the first thing that we're going to discuss this morning is the crisis or the threat. And there was indeed a crisis. There was a man by the name of Haman that had been promoted to the throne by Xerxes. And he became head over all the princesses. And the people were bowing down and paying homage to him. But there was a man by the name of Mordecai who did not bow down or worship or pay homage to this man by the name of Haman. So what Haman did was he devised a plot to exterminate or annihilate the Jewish people. And so that's why there is such a crisis and that's why it's so imperative for Esther to do something on behalf of God's people. And so picking up in chapter 3, look at verse 2 if you would for just a moment. Here is this man by the name of Haman. He's been promoted by Xerxes. And the Bible says in verse 2, All the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Mordecai was a cousin to Esther. And that's an important link in the book. Verse 3, Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you trans transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily, and he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, Haman was filled with wrath. The first thing you need to see is that Haman's ego and pride were bruised. Haman had what we might call a little man's complex. He had been promoted in the kingdom of Persia. Xerxes had made him an important figure in, in, the, in the realm of Persia. And many of the people were paying him honor and respect. And yet, here is a man by the name of Mordecai that would not pay him the respect that he thought he was due. And so in verse 7 and following, well actually, if you pick up in verse 6 and following, you'll find that Haman 
devises a plot. And really what, what could be said is an evil plot is born. And that plot is he's going to destroy or annihilate the Jewish family. Look, if you would, at verse, well, look at, at verse 6. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai, that is, Haman, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of, ha of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. And really, the king here, he's also known as Xerxes. But drop down now and look at verse 10, if you would, for just a moment. Here we have this edict being pronounced and broadcast throughout the province. The king places his stamp of approval on the plan or the plot of Haman, and that is to destroy God's people. So note, if you would, what is said in verse 10. The king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman. And the Bible says that Haman was an enemy of the Jews. The king said to Haman, The money and the people are given to you to do with them as seems good to you. And so they go out and they publish this decree. The Jews are going to be plundered, their possessions, everything's going to be destroyed. Now bear in mind that back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God has promised to save the world through whom? Well, through the promised seed. And yet, in bringing the promised seed into the world, he needed a vehicle to accomplish this. He needed a people to bring the Son of God into the world through. What people would God use in this capacity? Well, the Jewish people. In Hebrews chapter, well, well, actually, if you go back and look at Genesis chapter 12, you read about God calling on a man by the name of Abraham. And ultimately, Abraham was the father of the Hebrew people, the Hebrew nation, the Jewish people. And so God's plan of redemption is contingent on these people, the Jewish people, being spared. That is, they have to be around to bring forth the promised seed. And so this plan has been hatched. It's been born. It's now been published abroad. And so with that in mind, note if you would in the second place, the challenge to the queen. In chapter 4, news reaches Queen Esther. Note, if you would, what is said. Well, I said a challenge. First of all, there is a cry. Note, if you would, the tears. Chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry and went as far as the front of the king's gate. For no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. And so the Jews were visibly upset, Mordecai among the Jewish people, very upset, very concerned about his future, about the future of the Jewish people. And so their tears were well documented in this book. But note, if you would, the test. And really, here now is where Esther plays a part in the sparing of God's people. Mordecai sends word to Esther to relay all of the events that have transpired, what's going to happen. 
And so picking up, look if you would at verse 4. The Bible says in verse 4, So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and to take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed, to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. Hatak then responds to Mordecai in the city square. Look at verse 7, if you would. So Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. Verse 8, he also gave him a copy of the written decree for the destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain to her that he might command her to go into the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. And so word is now going to reach, or word does reach, Esther. This plot is divulged of what's going to happen. A plan is devised, and this plan is simply Mordecai is going to use Esther to save God's people. She is, as you know, the queen of Persia. She has the opportunity to stand before the king and plead or intervene on behalf of the people of God. And so, I want you to think with me for just a moment. We talk about the tears, the test, but note if you would, well drop down and look if you would for just a moment at the challenge that faces the queen. First of all, there is her impending danger. In verse 9, Hatak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hatak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king lays out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. One of the safeguards to the throne was the king had to hold out his scepter and thus in so doing someone could approach him. And the reason would, was to, to stave off would-be assassins. And so Esther is now going to have to muster the courage to intervene on behalf of of God's people. So we think about her impending danger. What is that impending danger? Well, if she doesn't do something, she's going to be killed. Her household's going to be killed. Look, if you would, at what is said in verse 12. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the Jews. And the bottom line was simply this. If you don't do something, death is going to come. You're not going to live. But now, note if you would, not only her impending danger, but her important duty. Here's what it said, verse 14. If you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We think about her impending danger, her important duty. Her duty was to intercede, to aid the people of God. But then if you would note her implied destiny. The question was asked in the long ago, who knows whether you come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Now, a couple of things I want to share with you. Number one, 
God had a plan. God had a purpose. That purpose was to redeem the human family through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the promised seed, the Messiah. And we read in the Old Testament of the Messiah coming. Over and over again, the Old Testament points to the coming of the Messiah. The New Testament is simply documentation that the Christ has indeed come, fulfilling all the promises and all of the plans of Almighty God. Well, had the Jewish people been destroyed, what would have happened? That plan would have been thwarted. God's redemptive plan would not have come to fruition. However, Mordecai understood the providence of Almighty God. One of the things that runs throughout the book of Esther is God's providence. When we talk about providence, we're simply affirming the fact that God is involved in the affairs of this world. How do I know that? Well, look again at verse 14. Mordecai, in sending word to Esther, said, If you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place. Mordecai knew that God in his infinite wisdom and power could deliver the Jewish people from this evil plot or plan of Haman. He had that kind of faith in Almighty God. Now here's what the Bible says in Psalm 99 verse 1. The Bible says the Lord reigns. Daniel said in Daniel chapter 4 verse 32, the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men. God is involved in the affairs of mankind. God is at work. And I think sometimes we miss that. There are people in our world today that have the idea that God is not concerned about us, that He's not concerned about our plight, our affairs in life. There are, there are those who would say that God simply created the world and then stepped back and just and thus allows the world to play out as it plays out. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men. God was at work when God's people were carried away into captivity in Babylon. God spared those people in Babylonian captivity. He brought a remnant of people out so that the Christ would come to fruition. Years later, Esther's on the throne. Persia, the Medes and the Persians a very strong and mighty nation. The Persians are in power. A plot has been hatched. The Jews are going to be destroyed. And yet, God is going to see to it that His people are preserved. So the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men. But then note also what He says. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Think about Esther. Here is this young woman. She's been placed in a position of power. She is the queen to Xerxes. She has a certain amount of power and prestige and fame. And this humble young Jewish woman has the opportunity to become a mighty link in the chain of God's redemptive plan. Now, today we talk about Honoring our mothers. And behind every successful man is a good woman, for the most part. And we talk about the contributions that mothers make to society, to nations. We talk about godly women. Nothing is said about Esther having any children. 
But Esther was a godly woman. And God used her in a strategic way to save his people. And I just think about women today that sometimes feel as if they are not making contributions to the kingdom of God. Maybe they feel as if, maybe you're here today, maybe you, maybe you question your purpose in life. Well, I'm convinced that all of us have a purpose in life. In other words, all of us have certain abilities or talents that we can use to the glory of God. And those who are mothers, grandmothers, think about this. You can rear your children and influence them in such a way so that your sons and daughters will grow up to be faithful members of the body of Christ. Who knows, maybe your son will become a gospel preacher. Maybe your son will one day choose to serve as an elder. Maybe he'll serve as a deacon. Maybe he'll be a song leader. Maybe he will be a Bible class teacher. Your daughter. Maybe she'll marry a preacher. Maybe she will one day stand beside her husband who is an elder and she will encourage him. Maybe she will one day marry a man who becomes a deacon and she will encourage him in that good work. Maybe she herself will become a Bible class teacher. And she'll have the opportunity to sit in a classroom with young boys and girls and mold and shape their minds to the glory of God. Sometimes women who teach in Bible class have the opportunity to talk to young children at a very early age about Christ, about His church, to think that you are one of the first links in teaching that child about the Son of God. Well, the question was asked, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this? You and I, we need to, we need to recognize whatever, whatever talents or whatever abilities that we may possess and use those to the glory of God. All right, look if you would at verse 15. Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Gather all the Jews who are present at Shushan. Fast for me, neither eat nor drink. For three days, night or day, my maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Here's the bottom line. Esther stepped up to the plate. Here was this godly woman, a Jewish woman, who recognized that in going to the king, in standing before him and making this request, it might have very well meant death. But she was willing to do it. That's the kind of faith that she had. And so we talk about her courage. That is the triumph of faith. And it took a lot of faith for Esther to do this. There are three things that I want to just very quickly share with you. There are some events that transpire, and you can go back and read the book, and I would encourage you to read the book of Esther because a lot of great things recorded here about this godly woman. First of all, a death takes place because Esther had the courage to stand before King Xerxes to intervene on behalf of the Jewish people to expose Haman for what he was and what he was trying to do. 
Haman was put to death. He was hanged on the very gallows that he had built for Mordecai because he despised Mordecai. Well, you can read about that in chapter 7. Haman is put to death. But then in chapter 8, you read about the deliverance of the people. One of the laws, one of the things about the laws of the Medes and the Persians was that law was unalterable. And so the king, King Xerxes, steps up and basically enacts a law so that the Jewish people could protect themselves against annihilation. And thus, they're going to be delivered. They, they're going to be spared. Well, why were they going to be spared? Because of Esther, because of her faith, because of her courage. And so Esther petitions the king, and then he sets forth a counter decree. In other words, he sets in motion some paperwork that will ultimately bring deliverance to the Jewish people. Note, if you would, what is said in chapter 8 before we close. In verse 8, You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name. Seal it with the king's signet ring for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring no one can revoke. And so they did this. And then couriers were dispatched and thus annihilation was averted. Drop down, if you would, at verse 13. A copy of the document was, was to be issued as a decree in every province, published for all people, so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. And the couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened, and pressed on by the king's command. And the decree was issued in Shushan, the citadel. All right, verses 15 through 17. Here's what you have. The delight of the people. In verse 15, the Bible says that Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel, a blue and white with, with a great crown of gold and garment of fine linen and purple, and the city Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. Now look at verse 17. And in every province and city where the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. A couple of things here, very quickly in closing. Number one, the Jews were delivered. They were delivered because of Esther. Number two, joy and gladness swept the land. And not just joy and gladness, but note also because the people in the city could see that the hand of God was involved in all of this. What happened? Many of the Gentiles turned to God. Do you not know that in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 8, one of the things that God instructed the Israelite people to do was to be a witness to the Gentile people? Here were people that proselyted to the Jewish religion. They came to understand and know about the Hebrew God, that is, the God of heaven and earth. Somewhat reminiscent of when God's people had been delivered out of Egyptian bondage, and then Moses dies. Joshua assumes the mantle of leadership. They send out spies to the city of Jericho and they come into contact with a woman by the name of Rahab. And she said, look, we've heard about these great events. Well, what happened? She came to believe in the God of heaven. 
These people came to believe in the God of heaven, that is, the Hebrew God. Well, it's a great story. Esther was a godly woman, a good woman. And because of her courage, because of her valor, God's people were spared. And I say all that to simply say this. Today, and not just today, but every day, if we have a godly mother, if we had a godly mother, if we have a godly grandmother, if we had a godly grandmother in the past that's now in eternity, we ought to get down on our hands and knees and thank Almighty God. We ought to be grateful for their influence, for their love, for what they have meant to, to the human family. Because indeed, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Would you bow with me in prayer? Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this day, for the many blessings of life. We're thankful for, we're thankful for those in the world today who serve as mothers. We're thankful for our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers. We're thankful for their influence, for their faith, for their love. We're thankful for what they mean to us. And Father, we are thankful for women like Esther. And not just Esther, but many of your saints in days gone by. And Father, we pray that you would bless each and every one present today. Help us to be what you would have us to be. Help us, Holy Father, to use our abilities to your good and to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. What would you need to do to become a child of God? Well, the Bible says, first of all, you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. Then you need to be willing to repent, to turn from a life of sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess His name before others, as the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37. Be baptized or immersed in water for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. In so doing, the Lord will add you to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. And if you're faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. Maybe you're here today, you're not faithful to the cause of Christ. Could we encourage you to come home, to come back to a loving God who will abundantly pardon? Would you do so as we stand and sing?